Hello there, listeners. It's Susie New from the Australian Society of Anesthetists, and thank you for listening to our podcast. It's called Australian Anesthesia, and it's where we talk about all things relevant to anesthesia in Australia. In this episode, I'm sharing an excerpt from the anesthesia recipe I recorded with ASA Vice President Dr. Mark Sinclair on anesthesia for dental sedation. Now, this isn't just about providing sedation for dental procedures in a hospital. I suspect many of us could do that without batting much of an eyelid. What we're talking about here is providing sedation to patients who are having their treatment outside of hospitals, like in a dental clinic or other outpatient setting. There are some major things to consider, particularly in terms of safety, if you are considering taking on this type of work. We also aren't talking about light sedation here, which is what occurs quite safely in many settings around Australia. We are talking about deep sedation. That is, any time a patient has been sedated to the point that they can't reply to you verbally or they can't obey a verbal command, such as, give me a thumbs up if you're okay. We at the ASA believe that only medical practitioners with appropriate training should be providing deep sedation. Basically, if you can give deep sedation, you should be able to provide a general anaesthetic because if you know, you know. There's not much between them and things can go south very quickly if you're not prepared. Another way possibly of looking at this comes courtesy of a mug that was very kindly given to me. Massive thank you to the wonderful group of people who did give me this mug. And on this mug, it has the definition of what an anaesthetist is. So it says anaesthetist, and then it gives you the pronunciation because a lot of people struggle with this. Anaesthetist, noun. And it says that that is someone who is good looking enough to take your breath away and skilled enough to give it back. Well, I'm not sure about the good-looking part. Well, actually, in my household, the motto is beauty comes from the inside. But being able to manage the situation of when someone's breathing stops is one of the skills of being an anaesthetist. And I find a lot of my patients are surprised when I tell them that part of the anaesthetic involves me stopping them from breathing. It's not for a long time and it's done very safely, but that is one of the things that can happen when someone has deep sedation. If you want to look at this more formally, then I suggest you look at the Australian Society of Anesthetists position statement on deep sedation. That is PS26. It's now available on the ASA website. Just go to the policy section and look for position statements. There's also the ASA position statement number 14, and that's 14, which is called Anesthesia for Office-Based Surgery. Of course, I'll put a link to them in the notes below. But in the meantime, let's get into it. My name's Mark Sinclair. I'm an anaesthetist practicing in Adelaide, South Australia, and I've been involved in dental sedation work for over 20 years and done somewhere at the order of 1,500 cases. The typical procedures that I'm assisting with are dental extractions or dental restorations. The procedures go ahead in the normal dental surgeries in a typical dental setting with that semi-reclined chair. I try to keep them to a two-hour booking, which normally means about an hour and a half of work and half an hour extra time for recovery and so forth. I try not to do any longer than that because I do find that patients lying in a dental chair do get a bit physically uncomfortable after a while. What are your patients generally like, Mark? Mostly it tends towards the younger patients having either extractions, wisdom teeth extractions or restorative work. Because of the unique setting, we tend to select the healthier patients, ASA 1 or 2, younger and middle-aged. What are some of the considerations in terms of the setup of the dental practice? In recent years, with the aim of improving safety, many state governments have got involved in this issue of sedation techniques in out-of-hospital settings. 
And I think possibly now all states do have some sort of legislation in place governing what you can and can't do in an outpatient setting. It varies from state to state, and so it would be important for anybody doing this kind of work, perhaps check with your local ASA committee. When I assess a dental surgery for suitability for sedation, which I don't have to do very often these days, but I will still go and have a look and make sure that I'm happy with the layout. Is there anything else you want to mention? The other aspect of it is that, especially when I'm out in a rural setting, they're very happy because they can stay home. The partner doesn't have to come down to Adelaide with them. They don't have to find accommodation. They can simply wake up in the morning in their own home, go to the dental surgery and go home afterwards. And the partner perhaps just needs that one day off work. It's a little bit daunting for some people. And I know and I understand that many anaesthetists don't want to be involved in this sort of work. And probably some of the stuff that I've talked about with will put them off even more. Having to obtain all your own drugs, equipment, resuscitative equipment, resuscitative drugs, the fees having to be charged, the work you have to do to put into it to make it work and to make it work safely and keep the patients happy as well as safe. But overall, I must say that it's been a very rewarding part of my work. I certainly do very well from the point of view of enjoyment of the work, feedback from the patients and from the dental surgeries. You're usually facing a very grateful, happy patient. In in many cases, uh, some of these patients have not seen a dentist for years. Some of the patients are even just having simple hygiene, clean and scaled. They can't even manage that in, in an awake state. And so the improvement they get to their dental health, and I would also hope, therefore, their overall health, is well worth the effort. And I've had some patients come back six or seven times over the years for restorative work, going from a very poor set of teeth to a very healthy, robust set of teeth and very happy and very grateful for the service having been provided. So it's, it's a good vibe, a good positive vibe that I get from this sort of work. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little excerpt from the ASA's Anesthesia Recipe Book. In the rest of the recipe, Mark shares tips you won't find in any of the textbooks, such as what to consider when assessing a health clinic, if you are thinking about doing some office-based anesthesia there, and also special considerations for using the ASA's Relative Value Guide. If you want to watch the whole video, it can be found on the ASA website. Follow the links from the ASA education page, and you'll need to be an ASA member to access it. You'll also need to be an ASA member to access position statement 14, that's 1-4, on anaesthesia for office-based surgery. The ASA position statement on deep sedation is available for anyone to access, and of course, I'll put a link to all of these in the episode notes. Okay, until next time, I hope you're staying safe and well out there, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Australian Anesthesia Podcast, which can be found on all the major podcast hosting platforms, as well as YouTube. This podcast is produced by the Australian Society of Anesthetists and hosted by Dr. Susie New with music created by Dr. Mark Seuss. The ASA was formed in 1934, and our vision is for every anaesthetist in Australia to be at their best, providing the highest quality anesthesia and perioperative care through excellent technical and non-technical skills. We also hope that this means that you are functioning at your best when you're away from work. In this podcast, we have conversations that seek to inform, challenge and inspire you to keep you performing at your best. Members of the ASA can access full versions of all episodes by logging into the ASA website at asa.org.au. If you are listening on your favourite podcast app, then make sure you look at the episode notes for the direct link to the podcast on the ASA website. Also, feel free to follow or subscribe so that you can receive the latest episodes as we do publish regularly. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to email us on podcast at asa.org.au. Thank you for your time and we hope you enjoyed listening.